Absolutely. So as James said earlier, um, we are in our spiritual discipline series and I'm talking to you today on prayer. Um, so the passage we're looking at is actually some of Jesus' teaching on prayer from his Sermon on the Mount. It's Matthew 6 verses 5 to 13. So if you've got your phones on you or your Bible, if you could turn to Matthew 6, 5 to 13, and I will read that to you now. So Jesus says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go to your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't keep babbling on like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. So Brogan has taught us that spiritual disciplines are tools by which we can place ourselves before God and be transformed by him. And Jesus teaches us in this passage that prayer is a way that we can do this daily. I'm going to be asking four questions of uh, Jesus' teaching here to help us expand on it. And I'll explain those in just a minute. But first, I don't know how you feel about prayer. I know that a lot of us will be familiar with it in some capacity. It might be that you've actually never prayed before, but you've heard about prayer from the church. It might be that you already pray really, really regularly. Um, You might find that really easy, and some of you might find that really hard. As Christians, we know that prayer is something that we should do, but sometimes we can feel guilty for not doing it enough. And I just want to start by saying that actually there is grace for each of us. No matter what our prayer lives currently look like, there is grace for us. And um, there are two groups of people that I think God specifically wants to talk to today um, through what I have to say. Firstly, if you are regularly praying Um, but you feel like you've got to the stage where you're doing it out of a sense of duty and actually your prayer life kind of feels tired and it feels a bit empty. I really believe that God wants to bring fresh revelation to you today and he wants to bring a new passion into your prayer life. And also for those of us who actually feel so tired and so busy that we don't have time to pray, Again, I really believe that God wants to speak to you today about prayer. I know that burnout culture is rampant in our society at the moment. Lots of us are carrying so much that prayer can drop lower and lower on our to-do list. Uh, Particularly in lockdown, the weight of what we're carrying is so burdensome and heavy that we can often feel like we're lacking the energy to actually pray. So I want you to just take a moment to check in with yourself. How are you feeling And I don't just mean how you say you're feeling on the many Zoom calls, but really, how are you feeling? And I want you to know that Jesus meets you there in your joy and in your sorrow, in your hope and in your fear. All of those are really good starting points for prayer. 
And prayer is a place where God meets us and he gives us what we need. He already knows what you need from him today. So those four questions I'm going to be asking of the passage, um, we're kind of doing a back to basics on prayer today. I'm going to be asking, what is prayer? Who do we pray to? Why should we pray? And how do we pray? And like I said, my hope is that for each of us, whether we've never tried praying before or whether we just need a new injection of passion into our prayer life, is that we come away today with a fresh revelation of the transformative power of prayer through your Holy Spirit, God. Amen. So what is prayer? Jesus' teaching on prayer here could be summarized quite simply as a conversation with God. That's how Matthew Porter defines it in his A to Z of prayer, which we'll be talking about later. So let's pull apart some of these verses. Uh, For context, in Matthew 6, Jesus is in the middle of his Sermon on the Mount, which is kind of like a discipleship manual for the church. He talks through everything that we should and shouldn't do from murder and adultery to giving and prayer. And actually, the Jewish people listening to Jesus would have absolutely expected some teaching on prayer. Prayer was a really integral part of what it meant to be a people of God, for what it meant to be set apart from other cultures. And prayer was actually a really public thing. We can see in the passage that Jesus um, says people pray out loud in the synagogues and on street corners. And Jesus brings some really radical teaching here, and I'll explain why it's radical in just a moment. He says that prayer is also personal. It's not just public, it's personal. In verse six, he says, when you pray, go into your room, close your door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And the picture that Jesus paints there of being in your room alone with your father God is really intimate. It's spending time with God, your father, someone who you have a relationship with. So actually, Jesus is saying that prayer is more than just a conversation. It's more than just telling God what you need. It is an encounter with God. And when you encounter God, you cannot help but be transformed and changed into his likeness. So if prayer is an encounter with God, who are we praying to? Obviously, we're praying to God, and it is fine to pray to all three persons of the Trinity, God the Father and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. But Jesus teaches us in verse 6 and 8 to pray to the Father. And actually, through Jesus' model, we primarily pray to our Father God. We see that in verse 9, he begins the Lord's Prayer with our Father in heaven. Lots of us are really familiar with the Lord's Prayer. I know I went to a Church of England primary school and had to pray it um, every day in assemblies. Lots of us will have had similar experiences. And it's quite easy to skip over that first line. It's like a quick, formal hello to God before we get down to the real business of asking God for what we need. But if we pause for a moment to think about it, actually, Jesus' disciples would have been really shocked to hear Jesus instructing them to start the prayer with our Father in heaven. The Old Testament scriptures occasionally compare their God Yahweh to a father figure, but the Jewish people would never have even dared to address God in such an intimate way. So Jesus is inviting his disciples and he's inviting us into a level of familiarity and intimacy with God that no one had ever before imagined was possible. Prayer is about family. And the reason that 
uh, it didn't really seem possible to Jesus' disciples is because it wasn't possible. In the Old Testament, intimacy with God and being in the presence of God like Moses and Abraham was actually something that was reserved for the righteous. And Brogan spoke about this a couple of weeks ago when he kicked off our sermon series. He talked about a veil that is separating mankind from God. And the veil is made up of our mistakes and our brokenness and our sinful nature. But Jesus has bridged that gap. He's removed that veil. And actually now we can come to God through Jesus with unveiled faces as we heard from Brogan. So Jesus invites us all to access God freely. But this invitation to pray to God freely as our Father came at a cost to Jesus. Tim Keller notes that the only time in the Gospels that Jesus prays without calling God his Father was when he prayed on the cross. He prays, my God, my God, Eloi, Eloi, why have you forsaken me? And in that moment on the cross, Jesus had taken on the sins of the world, that veil which prevented us from being able to access God. And by taking our veil and removing it, he lost his relationship with the Father in that moment. And he lost it so that we could have a relationship with God as our Father. Jesus was forgotten so that we could be remembered as children of God. And let me read you this quote from Pete Gregg. He says, The deeper we receive our identity as dearly loved children, the greater our desire to spend time with our Father in prayer. We will start to tell him everything and dare to ask him anything because we know that, as Jesus puts it, and we heard this on the chat from Paul, your Father in heaven loves to give good gifts to those who need him. God wants to bless us. He wants to meet us where we're at and he wants to give us what we need. So actually when we pray, prayer is a statement of identity. We're praying out of the confidence of being children of God. We're not just fulfilling a duty. We're not just praying because we have to, but we're sharing in the greatest joy, which is our adoption into God's kingdom. We're stating that through the cross, we're made right and we can know freedom, we can know power, and we can know a relationship with God, our Father. So what is prayer? It's a conversation and an encounter with God. And who do we pray to? Jesus teaches us that we pray to our Father in heaven and that as we pray, we are regrounded in our identity as his children. So why should we pray? And in this passage from Matthew 6, Jesus is speaking about the motivation behind prayer. And it's so easy to think that prayer is about looking good before God, looking like the right kind of spiritual person. I know that I've fallen into that trap many, many times. And also it's easy to think that prayer is about following the rules. And when we think that, we can feel really guilty that we're not praying enough. But actually, these mindsets limit our ability to pray. And Jesus' teaching in Matthew 6 gives us freedom from those mindsets. In verse 5, Jesus warns us to pray, not to pray like the hypocritical Pharisees, for they pray standing in the synagogues and on street corners to be seen by others. The Pharisees are praying in order to impress other people. And again, in verse seven, Jesus warns us not to pray like the pagans who babble for they think they will be heard because of their many words. The pagans are praying to impress 
their God. They have this desperate need thinking that their gods won't listen to them if they don't use the right words. Both the Pharisees and the pagans here are relying on prayer as a way to be first, as a way to be the best, as a way to be the most holy. They believe that they have to pray in order to be saved, in order to be accepted and listened to by God. But Jesus teaches the opposite. We don't pray in order to be saved. We pray because we're saved. First comes our salvation through the cross and our right relationship with God. And then out of that place, we pray. In verse eight, Jesus says, do not be like them, the hypocrites and the pagans, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. So here Jesus is saying that our motivation to pray shouldn't be to impress God. And it's not even just to tell God what we need because he knows that already. Our motivation for praying should be that we desire to encounter and spend time with our Father. It's about relationship with our Heavenly Father. Pete Gregg says this, a prayer room is first and foremost a living room, a place where the Father waits for his children to come and climb into his arms. So it's not always about what we say, it's about who we're saying it to. Prayer is personal. It's about spending time with your heavenly father who loves you the most. And when we spend time in that place with God, we cannot help but be transformed by him to look like God. True peace and joy and hope only comes from God and we can access these through spending time with him in prayer. So what is prayer? It is a conversation and an encounter with God. We pray to our heavenly father as his children and we pray to encounter God. So how do we do that? Jesus gives us a manual to prayer here in the Lord's Prayer. And it's actually a really useful guide to praying. If you've never prayed before, start here. And if you don't know the words to pray, again, start here with the Lord's Prayer. But we can actually use this prayer as an outline for our own prayers as well. So I'm going to use Pete Gregg's acronym PRAY, P-R-A-Y, to help us break down the Lord's Prayer into its components. So it's pause, rejoice, ask, and yield. Yield means to surrender or say yes to God. So first, Jesus teaches us that we start with pausing from our day, taking time out specifically to devote to God. He says, go to your room and close the door. Second, we rejoice. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We rejoice because we remember that God is our Father who is kind and compassionate and just. And that he's hallowed, which is another word for holy. That means that God is set apart. So in that opening line, we recognize and we rejoice in the fact that God is greater than we are, that he is perfect in his goodness and his faithfulness to us. Then thirdly, we ask and we can ask God for anything. It requires us to acknowledge our own helplessness in the same way that God is hallowed and perfect and holy. We actually are broken and we're weak and we need God's help. So Jesus teaches us to ask God to realign our perspective with his perspective. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus also teaches us to ask God to provide for us down to our very basic needs. Give us today our daily bread. 
And this is a beautiful reminder for us that actually everything we have is God's and that he gives us everything that we could possibly need. And Jesus also teaches us to ask God for forgiveness, knowing that he is a God of justice and compassion and that there is grace and mercy for us. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And then fourthly, we yield. That means surrendering and saying yes to God and his way of doing things. We are not the ones in control, but actually we pray, God, lead us and deliver us. We know that God ultimately is in control and we remind ourselves that without him, we would be walking in darkness, but with him, we are walking in light. So by giving our worries and our troubles and our hopes and our desires over to God and saying, God, lead us, we can find peace and joy. So what is prayer? It's a conversation and an encounter with God. And we pray to our heavenly father as his children. And we pray not out of duty, but because we want a relationship with our father and we have a relationship with our father. And the Lord's prayer is a great example of how to pray. But I wonder how this talk has made you feel. Maybe you're sitting there thinking, actually, yeah, I really want to get into a rhythm of prayer. And that is great if that's you. That's the Holy Spirit's conviction and that's a really good thing. And actually in Romans 8, um, Paul teaches us that the Holy Spirit helps us to pray. So if you don't know where to start, just ask the Holy Spirit for help. And I'll be leading us in a prayer of response later on as well. Some of you might be thinking, actually, you already have a really good rhythm of prayer, but you need the Holy Spirit to inject new passion into your prayer life. And I mentioned earlier about um, feeling burnt out and feeling tired. And I just want to share a quick testimony from my own life about the transformative power that prayer has brought to me. So most of you all know that I am a secondary school teacher. Um, so in my training year, um, again, those of you who know me quite well will know that it was probably the hardest year of my life. I think it was really, really tough. I was really overworked. Um, I had so much on and I was carrying so much and I tried to carry that on my own a lot of the time. I didn't um, hang out with my friends as much because I was so busy. And actually, time with God and, and prayer really slipped low on my um, priority list. And when I... Um, got my first teaching job. I just knew that that had to change. I knew that I couldn't continue um, living that life where I was defined by work and defined by tiredness and defined by being busy all the time rather than by my relationship with God. And so on my uh, first year of teaching, um, I actually set up a really regular rhythm of prayer and also rest um, through having a Sabbath day. So Every morning on my way to work, I walked to work, it was about 30 minutes, and I would pray to God about my day, and I'd listen to worship music, and I'd listen to Bible podcasts, and then at the end of my day on my way home, again, 30-minute walk home, and I would pray. I'd pray over my day, any situations that had stayed with me, and then at the weekend on a Saturday, Will and I started practicing the Sabbath together, um, and it's actually really simple. We were just 
on a Friday evening, we would start with prayer and then we would try and rest in really sort of healthy ways. So we would see friends and we would eat good food and we'd read together, read our Bible together, play music together. And then at the end on Saturday evening, again, we would pray and it would be this um, kind of 24 hours covered in prayer. And I was doing that while working my first job. And actually, it was my mentor who noticed the difference in me. She's not a Christian, um, but she spoke to me actually out of concern because I was getting so much work done. She was worried that I just wasn't taking rests. And she wanted to check in to make sure that I wasn't just working all the way through the evenings and and the weekends because obviously I'd end up burning myself out. So I shared with her um, my regular rhythm of prayer and my Sabbath day. And she was blown away, absolutely blown away. And it kind of clicked for her that I could be getting so much done and still be really joyful and still be really refreshed every day. Um, The fact that I actually wasn't focusing on work all the time, I was giving my time and energy to something else. I was devoting my time to God, had completely transformed my working life and my life outside of work as well. I was a completely new person. I was filled with joy. Um, I was way less stressed and anxious. And I want to share that with you today because actually I really believe that God has been speaking to me about some of you who are feeling the same, particularly in lockdown with your workload and also with the amount that you're carrying and the worries that you have. And actually that is being such a burden on you that you feel too weary to even know where to start in prayer. But actually prayer is a gift from God and it's something that is joyful and is beautiful. And God wants to move in your life. He wants to speak to you today. And through his Holy Spirit, he wants to meet you in your prayer. And actually through doing that, It's not just about what you pray. The actual act of praying itself will completely transform your life. So I'd just like to pray for all of us. Our Father in heaven, we praise you that you are holy and you're good. We thank you that you want to spend time with us and that you've made a way for us to be in your presence and to know you personally. Holy Spirit, would you help us to pray? Help us to realign our perspective with yours. Holy Spirit, help us to delight in our identity as your children and to delight in the gift of prayer. Lead us, God, in your way everlasting. Amen.